one day, uh, this poor boy was selling goods door to door. He was going door to door selling goods so that he can raise money to keep himself in school. He took a moment and noticed that he was starting to get really hungry. His stomach started to growl. None of y'all had experienced that this weekend. Yeah, every time, it, it, back to the fridge. But it started to growl, and he reached down to his pocket and noticed he only had 10 cents left. And he's like, man, I'm hungry, but I don't have enough food. What I'll do is the next door I knock on, I'll ask them for a meal. And so what he does is he goes and he begins knocking, knocking on some doors. And the next one that opened up, all of a sudden, he lost his nerve because a lovely young woman opened the door. Why is that? He hungry. Why you got to play it off? Just because she was pretty, I mean, he had to not ask her for food. So she opened the door and he was like, oh, I'm not asking her for food. Instead, he was like, hey, do you think I can have some water? Can I have some water, please? When she took a look at him, she saw he looked hungry. So she was like, all right, you know, I'll get you something to drink. And she went back and she got him a big glass of milk, a big, tall glass of milk. He took that milk and he began to drink it nice and slowly, just tasting it, savoring it, because this was going to be his meal right now. Um, after that, he realized, you know, he, he thanked her. He thanked her for the drink and said, how much do I owe you? Oh, you don't owe me anything, she said. Mother has taught us never to accept payment for kindness. Well, thank you from the bottom of my heart, he says. As Howard Kelly, which was his name, he walked away. He felt stronger, not only physically, but his faith in humanity has increased because he was reach, reaching to a place where he was just giving up on people. Some of us feel like that sometimes. We just want to give up on people, right? But he, he, it was like, it was... Uh, his faith in humanity had been uplifted, restored. Years later, that kind young woman contracted a disease, an illness, very rare. And the local doctors couldn't help her. They, they tried and they didn't know what to do. So they sent her to the city, the nearest city, to, to, to see a specialist. And while she was there, the specialist, guess who the specialist ended up being? Dr. Howard Kelly. Doctor uh, is now the specialist, and he hears, the, he, he reads the, the, the patient's chart, and he says, wait a minute, I remember this town, I'm, I was from this town. So he doesn't recognize the name, but he recognizes the town, so he goes quickly to see who this patient is. He recognizes her immediately. Instantly, he dedicates himself, he says, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure she gets better, to get she gets healed. After a long battle back and forth with her health, she's cured. She's healed. He did his part. He's super happy. And he tells the financial office, he's like, listen, make sure you forward me the bill. I want to approve it before we give it to her. And he gets the bill, and he writes something on the edge of her invoice or her bill, hospital bill. He puts it back in the envelope and says, okay, you can give it to her now. So, the, you know, the person gives it her the bill, and she's holding it in her hand, and she's like, I don't even want to open this, because she wasn't very wealthy, her insurance wasn't the greatest, and she knew that she had a large out-of-pocket expense because of this bill, because of all the surgeries and treatments and everything. So she held it there, took a deep breath, and was like, all right, opens it and reads the bill. Obviously, it's a huge bill. She's not too happy, but she notices something in the corner. And she looks and looks, she takes the bill, she looks at the corner, and as she looks at the corner, it says, it says written, paid in full with one glass of milk. Dr. Kelly. That was, that milk was the best investment in her life. Gratitude is a powerful thing, and it changes your life and those around you. Gratitude is a powerful thing. Um, we're, still in the, we're still in the Thanksgiving weekend, right? The weekend's not over, 
People got, took off early on Wednesday, and they don't go back to work tomorrow. This is still Thanksgiving weekend. You've been eating leftovers since Thursday for Friday, for Saturday. Some of y'all woke up this morning and had turkey for breakfast. Some of y'all just did that, you know, and it's okay. I'm No one's judging. I'll have turkey. I'll, I'll eat at any time. No one's judging, right? But the point is, since we're still in this festive uh, season of giving thanks, in giving thanks, I wanted to continue to focus. Last week we said thank you was the sermon title. Today is gratitude, and there's, there's, a, there's a slight difference, but um, it, it all goes together. And um, I want to continue on the subject of gratitude. Now, a couple weeks ago, we, spent a, uh, we took some weeks looking at the life of Job. And we had two weeks. It was supposed to be three. And then... God just switched things up, you know, because I say, when I say I have writer's block, I just say that God was just heading a different direction, right? And I ended up just switching it up, and, and we didn't continue Job. A couple of y'all noticed. It's not everybody. A couple of you guys were like, Pastor, we ain't doing Job. We thought we had one more. I was like, um, so guess what? We're going back to Job today. We're going to finish the trilogy. Who's excited? Yay. Man. Worst. Let's turn to Job chapter 2, verse 7 to 10. Job chapter 2, verse 7 to 10. All right. Oh, let me get a sip of this. So Satan left the Lord's presence, and he struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job replied, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only the good things from the hand of God and never give, never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. Now, um, we talked about Job and his situation and what he was going through. Uh, we know that God and Satan were talking, and, and God was like, look at my main man over here. He's he's prime example. Look at this guy. And the Satan was like, only because you gave him everything? And then God was like, all right, well, you know, let, let's see. Let's see. And so there was that conversation there. Then we see that that um, the enemy took away all his oxen, his sheep, his camels, all his servants, his children were all killed. Um, lastly, his health. And, we, and, and this verse references the boils. We talked about boils. We won't get into it too much today. But it was just all over his body. It was painful. It was itchy. It was disgusting. It says he was using pieces of broken pottery to scrape himself, like to scratch. Anybody ever use something weird to scratch themselves with? Some of y'all are like, I know, the remote, uh, oh, like a fork. I mean, y'all, y'all, all sorts of weird things. A hanger, rulers, you go ahead. Um, so he's using broken pottery to try to ease the itchiness. Anyways, in these verses, his wife is fed up. She is fed up. She's like, how can you continue with this? How can you continue uh, being so grateful to a God? Pretty much is saying, look, look at around you. Look, look at all the things around you. Look what you're going through. Our children are gone. Our money is gone. Our, our oxen, our, all, all our cattle, all that stuff is gone. And pretty much he's like, just curse God and die. <laughs> Job's response is a response of gratitude. And I'm going to tell you why. He says, he pretty much tells like, can't you remember all the good that God has done? He's like, God has done so much in our lives. He's, there's so much good. You, you, want us, you want us to just pretty much, we're okay with that, but then not okay with this? It's almost like, let's be grateful for what we have. Yes, we got some problems right now. And you know what? We, get this, we accept this just like we accepted that. Let's be grateful we had that. You know, you know, conversations like that, right? His response is a response of gratitude. What he's going through right now at that moment does not take away the great things God has done in his life. 
It doesn't take away the years that Job spent righteous before man, right? It doesn't take away the years that Job spent with, with, with uh, stature and position and the, and the family and the wealth and the respect of the community. It doesn't take any of that away. That doesn't, it's not taken away. That still existed. That still was. Today, uh, I want to talk to you about gratitude and give you four reasons to practice gratitude. Before getting into the reasons, do we, un- do we really understand what gratitude is? Gratitude is the quality of being thankful, readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. Something is to say thank you, right? Thank you. I appreciate what you did, right? Thank you. Gratitude takes it further. Gratitude takes it further. Last week we said thank you. Let's not forget to thank the giver of the gift, right? Don't forget. We talked about that last week. Don't forget to thank the giver of the gift. This week we want to go further and we want to go into gratitude. Gratitude is not just a thank you. Gratitude is thank you and because of that I want to. Thank you, Lord. Because of who you are, I want to surrender my life to you. Whatever you desire, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, is living a life of gratitude to our God. So we want to talk about gratitude. Job, in the midst of suffering, is still thankful for what God has done for him, thankful for who he is, thankful for who God is, and returns that with his faithfulness. We talked about the first first one was uh, faithful uh, in the midst of suffering. What, what in the world would cause someone to stay faithful in the midst of all that suffering? Gratitude. Gratitude. He, he was grateful for who God was, who he is, and stayed grateful to that. And, and returned it with faithfulness. First thing I want to say is gratitude restores peace. Gratitude restores peace. Peace. Everybody take a deep breath in. Let it out. For that two seconds, wasn't that so peaceful? For like two seconds. But then all of a sudden problems start popping in your head. Situations start popping in your head. Did I turn this off? Did I turn that off? You know, uh, where I, who's going to do this tomorrow? And all the list begins to come back. Peace is something that we all deeply desire and need. Peace is a state of stillness, serenity, freedom from worry, agitating and anxious thoughts or feelings. If anyone is anxious, you are not peaceful at the moment. If anyone is worrying, you're not experiencing peace. If you're agitated, you're not feeling the peace at the moment. History is full of stories, right, of people that had all sorts of things. They had wealth. They had, you know, they had cars. They had money. They had fame. They had power. Right? We hear of stories of people. It's not, not just money, not just material things, but position, social status, power, and yet lacked peace. And most of those stories, I mean, we can go into them, but we're not going to, but most of those stories usually have a negative result, an outcome, right? Addiction, alcoholism, drug, drug addiction, suicide you know, depression, like all these things. And you wonder, like, how could someone that has everything be depressed? Because you don't have peace. You don't have peace. Sometimes people that have so much, they, they, they wear their lives out worrying about all the things that they have. You ever, listen, I know I got a lot, a lot of sneakerheads in the house or watching right now. I got, I got a couple, there's three watching and one here. Right? Listen, you buy sneakers, right? They go on your feet because you wear them to walk so your feet don't get dirty. But what happens is you invest so much money. 
thousands of dollars on a pair of sneaks. And then you walk like this. You can't crease it. Can't crease them. Or, or you walking with you walking with trash bags. Y'all see people walking with trash bags on their feet, right? You walking with trash bags on their feet. You know, listen, you you have brand new sneakers. They look amazing. They're probably really comfortable, but you got no peace because you wear every time somebody walk. Hey, oh, whoa, 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 whoa! You're a little too close. You almost stepped on my kicks, bro. It's almost like it's almost like you can you you can't enjoy the day wearing them. You just gotta put them up on a shelf and enjoy them from there. That's the only way you'll have peace with those sneaks. Never put them on. Put pictures, all right? Put pictures of them. Put them on. Get in front of the, the, of the mirror. Take a picture and enjoy them like that. But don't wear them outside because you won't have peace. Same thing with brand new cars or a brand new house. Like, put that, put that. You're like, it's like, it's like you finally get all the things, and what happens is you think that these things are going to give you joy, they're going to give you peace, they're going to be able to relax now, now that you finally made it, now that you finally got it, and still no peace. There's nothing better than showing gratitude to the giver of peace. John 14, 27 says, I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot. Say cannot. Give. So don't be troubled or afraid. There ain't nothing out here in this world that can give us the peace that only God can give. Why not live a life of gratitude to our God, first of all, for just who he is, right? Showing gratitude for who he is. And guess what? He's the giver of peace. Like, peace comes from him. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna give us that. The word says that he gives us this gift of peace. Take a moment to, to see how we're surrounded. Surrounded by so much in this world that robs us of our peace. I mean, some of y'all could come with a list real quick, right? My neighbor, my, my friend's son, blah, blah, blah. Y'all can go down the list real quick, right? <laughs> but there's so much that robs us from peace. Sickness, violence, materialism, because nothing is ever enough. Y'all got the new iPhone? Guess what? A new one's coming out. Y'all got the new, the new Jordan? Well, another one's going to come out anyway. It's never enough. Like, it's, there's always going to be something new, the newest tablet, the newest gadget, the newest, it's always going to be the newest, I don't know. So guess what? We live in a world where it's only, it's, it's never good enough because some of us, when we finally get it, it's like, and then if you, if you guys are big Apple fans, you know, it's, you guys don't realize it. They, they eventually force you up. They force you up. They control what you do. They tell you it's time for a new phone. I mean, y'all already know. I probably, you know, I was like, Pastor, don't have an app with those of you. No, I don't. No, I don't. No. I like to make my own decisions. Even though God be like, you know, uh, excuse me? No, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. You know, when it comes to the phone, right? You know? <laughs> Complaining robs us of peace. And we're going to talk, talk about that a whole section of our sermon today. Burnout robs you of peace. Loneliness. People pleasing. Stop trying to please the world. Please, please, please. Please, there's no, it's not written in here that we're made to people please, right? I mean, did I miss it? Did I miss it? It's not written here to people please. Don't get loving people. Don't get it mixed up that we're called to love one another with people pleasing. 
It's two completely different things. Because if I love you, I may not always please you with what I have to say. Okay? Job chapter 40, verses 3 to 5, says, Then Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. Now, we know we talked about Job's faithfulness, right? Job was faithful, right? But, you know, he did have some words back, with, you know, back and forth with God. He had some things to say. He was not too pleased with the condition that he was in, right? And so he voiced that to God. And after God heard him out, God answered him, reminding him who he was, how powerful he was, how in control of everything he was. And after God kind of like put him back in check, he was like, oh, you're right. My bad. I'm sorry. I have nothing else to say. It's it's, It's in that response that his words describe coming to peace, a peace. You ever have, <laughs> you ever been like going through like a, a discussion or a debate or something back and forth and, and you're really intense and you're getting into it and, and, you're, and like, it, it's like it's starting to get to you, right? Some of y'all get kind of like red patches and, and veins coming out, right? And, and, and finally, you come to a realization, you know what? That's right. There's no, more, there's no point to argue with this anymore. And at that moment where you surrender the combativeness, right, that, that defensiveness, right, don't y'all feel better? That peace at that moment? I can only imagine Job in this situation. Like he's, he's his, all, everything's been killed in his life except for the wife that's nagging him about just cursing God and die, which is ironic, Right? She, she's not helping his situation right there. But he, <laughs> he didn't. So, so, so all that has gone in his life. His health is, is a mess. And in this condition, he's going back and forth with God. He's frustrated. But in all that, in these words, I, 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 like to, I like to think that if I was there with him, this was like a release. This was just like a... I said too much. I got nothing else to say. And at that moment, there's a peace. No more fighting. No more arguing. And it's a, a complete dependence on God. Complete dependence on him. You're right, God. You did do that. You are great. For that, I'm grateful. I got nothing else to say. For that, it's all good. I can sit here in the peace of you regarding this, regardless of my circumstances. He still was covered in boils. His kids were still dead. All his cattle, his oxen, his sheep, all that stuff was still gone. My servants were all killed. But at this moment, he's able to say, I got nothing else to say. And sit there in the peace of knowing who God is. God just finished breaking it down to him. If you read, that, if you read uh, was it chapter 40 or 39, like God just completely lays it all out. Like, this is who I am. Who do you think you're talking to? And at that moment, he's able to say, you know what? I'm still all messed up. I'm still lacking everything. But you're right. That is who you are. And I can sit here in the peace of just knowing that that's who you are. How about you? That's the question. How about you? Aren't you tired of arguing? Some of y'all argue with God too much. Like, it's okay to let them know how you feel, right? It's okay. I'm not telling you not to. But some of y'all just argue too much with him. Some of you guys argue too much with each other. Some of you guys, I mean, aren't you tired of arguing and going back and forth and fighting? Tired of trying to control the circumstances? That's one of my issues. 
yeah, you guys, some of you guys know. I, I just like it. I, I like to be, I, like, I call it being prepared, right? I call it, I call everything being planned out. But in order for that to happen, I have to do it, right? I have to tell you to do this. I have to tell you to go here. I have to say this time, this time, this time. And it may come off controlling. I just want to make sure it all gets done. That's all. Dennis is watching probably on the road, right? And um, last Sunday, Dennis and I were talking after the service. Sorry, Dennis. I'm going to put it out here. And um, Dennis comes up to me. He's like, all right, our Christmas party is coming up. I was like, yeah. He's like, okay, so I was like, he's like, so and he's asking me, like, What's, what, what do we got to do? I was like, Dennis, I, I'm, I don't know. I told Veronica's handling it. And he's like, I know, but, but, but like, but what do we, I was like, Dennis, breathe. Veronica's handling it. She got a team. She got people. She got, there's, there's been assignments. And I looked at Lee, because Lee was right next to us. I said, Lee, when was the last time, because Lee, if you guys know, Lee and Dennis started this church 27 years ago, right? I said, Lee, when was the last time you guys were able to just show up and enjoy a Christmas party with the church? And she was like, Never. I was like, well, guess what? Just show up this year. Can you do that? 27 years of always planning and controlling different things and making sure. Listen, it's okay. Yes. Just show up. Just enjoy yourselves. But I understand, Dennis. You know, I, 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 I'm learning. I'm getting to a place where I'm learning like, I'm telling you, like, I really don't know what's going on. I know I'm trusting Veronica with it. She, she, she could do a better job than me anyway. So why am I going to be all, like, hindering her, her style? Her, her, and it's not, just, it's not just Veronica. I saw Joanna in here today. Where's Joanna at? She with the kids? All right, she's with the... Are you hiding? She's behind Carlos. We're trying to hide back there. It's her Veronica and Joanna back there. Look at you putting together. I know you guys got it down. I know you guys are going to do a great job. But yes, but yes, can I sit here? Am I tired of trying to control the circumstances? Tired of things that are outside beyond your control? Like it's, you can't even control something. You're trying, you're worrying, you're stressing over it. You're losing sleep over it. You know, your hair's falling out because of it. Like just, like there's nothing you can do. Are you tired? Why don't we start being thankful for who God is and then resting in the peace of knowing that, being, showing, living a life of gratitude just for who he is, regardless of the circumstances around us. And if we can do that, there's a peace that follows. There's a peace that follows. Isn't it? Isn't it interesting how we live these lives, right, in these times where we're, people will do just about anything to try to acquire things that they think will bring you peace? We will kill ourselves chasing the paper so we can buy more and more and end up neglecting our families, neglecting our relationship with God, and yet the very thing that deep down inside we desire is found in that relationship with God. We're looking for peace everywhere else, going crazy, neglecting our relationship with God, and he's the one that can give it to us. Last week we mentioned that even if God doesn't do anything else in your life again, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is enough. Enough for us to live lives of gratitude for, to our Savior. And then you will experience a peace that surpasses all understanding. You know what that means? That it don't make sense. That means that you shouldn't be having peace in this moment because things are falling apart and yet you're having peace. And guess what? It drives people nuts around you. Let them, let them go nuts. You stay peaceful. You relax. 
The next thing that gratitude does, gratitude attracts favor. James 4, 6 says, and he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Gratitude and pride don't really roll together. Gratitude and pride, they're not homies. They're not. They're not. Um, the proud are more concerned with me, like with yourself, right? Uh, they're concerned with what they can do, what they have done. The spotlight shines on them. Like, let's just say me. It's what I can do. It's the things that I have done. It's the spotlight is on me. This is, this is, this is the proud, right? The spotlight is on me and no one else. Living this way, living with pride, living a proudful life, right? What it does is it makes it very difficult to live showing gratitude to the Lord. If you're living a life, a proud life that it's about what I've done, where I've gone, what I can do, this and that, what I've acquired, what I got, all on me, eyes on me, eyes on me. How are you living a life that is showing thanks to someone else? Right? You're blessed financially. Instead of showing thanks to the Lord, the focus turns inward. <laughs> well, you know, I deserve it. I worked hard for it. I mean, I did graduate at the top of my class with business and finance. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, and, so, and what happens is, instead of showing our gratitude to God, who, first of all, blessed you with it. You're taking all you're this proudful spirit. It's like, I did this. I accomplished this. I made it this far. And what's happening is you can't give thanks to, a God, to God when we live this way. I worked hard. I maintained my family. I, I, I made the right investments. Yet his word tells us he gives grace to the humble. So the humble will respond more like this. If it wasn't I wouldn't have this if it wasn't for you, Lord. If only you could have done this in my life. You, Lord, get all the glory and honor. I am nothing without you. All I have is because you have blessed me. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? Grace is to be given what we do not deserve. We know that, right? Grace, we have mercy when we don't get what we do deserve. And then grace, when we uh, get the things that we do not deserve. Favor is grace shown in our lives. You didn't deserve it, but because of your righteous living, he wants to hook you up with a little something, something. That's what favor is. Favor is just... God hooking you up with a little something, something, a little extra on the side. Job 42, 12, 17 says, So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep. He had 6,000 camels. 1,000 teams of oxen. If you don't know what teams of oxen, they mean pairs of oxen. You know, like a team, like a, you know, the yoke carry two. So instead of just writing 2,000 oxen, they wrote 1,000 teams of oxen. But that's what it means, right? Two th- so 1,000 teams of oxen and 1,000 female donkeys. In all the land. Oh, he also gave Job seven more sons, three more daughters. And he named his first daughter Jemima, the second Keziah, and the third, Karen Hapuk. In all the land, no women were as lovely as the daughters of Job. And that's because, Camille, you, you weren't back there. You, back then, you didn't exist. Um, <laughs> and, their, and their father put them into his will along with their brothers. This is, listen, this is unheard of because all the stuff went to the men, to the, to the sons. Girl, daughters didn't get nothing. But I don't know, Job was so blinged out after this point, he had so much to get. He, he put the girls in, he put his daughters in the will. Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Then he died an old man who had lived 
a long, full life. That is favor. What? Same, oh, I don't know. I guess it's the same wife. We don't, we, we don't hear nothing about her anymore. Right? Same wife. I don't know. You know, they don't want to put in there what happened was, she was like, just curse God and die. He's like, no, I ain't going to do that. Well, peace out. And she leaves, right? All of a sudden, she's like, oh, wait. She's like, oh, you heard what happened to your husband? What happened? I left him. He got, he broke. He's sick. He got, nah, God just blessed him with like triple than what he had. Oh, hold up. I was like, hey, honey, I'm home. Y'all bad. You guys are bad. No, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. That's just, you know, all fun. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. <laughs> this is favor. As we live lives that, that show our Lord gratitude, as we thank and appreciate who he is, and because we thank him and are, are grateful, we, we, we give ourselves to him. We surrender ourselves to him. We look for opportunities to do something back for him. See, this is where serving comes into place. And this is why serving is so important. You got to ask, where am I serving in the kingdom? What am I doing for God? Well, you know, I'm, I'm living my life right, coming to church on Sundays. I, 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 I bounce in and out of the Zoom on Thursdays sometimes. What are we doing for the kingdom? Because coming to church on Sunday isn't doing anything for the kingdom. It's doing something for you. Can, can I be real with y'all? And so, so when we do things for the kingdom is when you give of yourself to serve others in represent, representation of a big, mighty, and holy God so that they can experience the love of God through your serving. So they can experience um, uh, who God is through, your, through, through you giving of yourselves. What are we doing? What are we doing? If you're convicted right now, we need more Sunday school teachers, just FYI. <laughs> Our kids are the best. They are. They're the best. And we're only asking for one Sunday a month. So come on. One Sunday a month. Sign up. C. Lee, C. Lee, and Minerva, and Rachel. All right. Um, think about it. Think about this, this, this thing, right? For those that have children, imagine your kids always showing you thanks and appreciation. Some of y'all are like, <laughs> but imagine, imagine having your children. They are always saying, thank you so much. I appreciate that so much. Where can I help out? What can I clean now, mom? What can I do now, dad? You know, I appreciate everything you've done for me. I'll, I'll wash the car. I'll clean the garage. I'll clean the basement. I'll, I mean, and, and like, they're just so ready. Rex is like, I do that all the time. What are you talking about? Right, Rex? All the time. Imagine your kids living a, a life of gratitude that they are so grateful for you that they are willing to do anything you ask them. Being that parent, you know that when you're in the store and you're looking at things, you're like, let me get this for Richie. Richie is just the best. Let me, let me just do a little something extra. He don't really deserve this. He don't really need this. This is a little something-something on the side. Remember? We talk about favor, right? And this, well, God is like, God, I mean, it's just like, let me... Let me just hook up a little something, something extra. As a parent, you know that if your children were like that at all times, because, you know, they, they're all like that at some point. <laughs> at some point. At some point, right? Um, maybe some of y'all haven't gotten there yet. Um, but the thing is, it's like at that moment, you're just like, they just, they're, just so, they're just so grateful. Like, I, I want to do a little extra for them. I, wanna, I, wanna, I just want to, you know, do some more. If this is us, how much more would our Father in heaven do for us? But why is favor so important in the first place? Well, favor produces the restoration of everything that the enemy has stolen from you. Let's look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 21. And I will give you this 
people. I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when ye go, ye shall not go empty. Egyptians had taken everything from the Israelites. Who they were as a people, as a nation, they stripped them everything. They made them slaves. They took everything away from them. So they had nothing. But God showed them favor, and he said, you're not going to leave empty-handed, which means they're going to leave with things that actually belong to the Egyptians, that they would leave. Favor produces honor in the midst of your adversaries. Exodus 11, chapter 11, verse 3. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt. And the sight, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Favor. Favor. Favor produces great victories in the midst of great impossibilities. Joshua 11.20. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might destroy them utterly and that they might have no favor but that he might destroy them as the Lord commanded Moses. The Lord showed favor on Israel, not their enemies, and Israel was able to defeat their enemies when it was a physical impossibility. They weren't just going up against one adversary. There were several nations that were coming after them. There was no way they should have won that battle. No way. But favor, God's favor. God's favor produces battles won, which you won't even have to fight because God will fight them for you. Psalms 44, 3 says, For they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them, but but thy right hand, and thine arm, and the light of thy countenance, because thou hast a favor unto them. The psalmist is saying that it's like, we didn't, we didn't get what we, we didn't, we didn't acquire this land based on our skill, our fighting, our strength. We got this solely by the hand of God when he showed favor on us. There's many more, uh, there's, there's much more, right? We see favor in Esther, where favor brought forth a position. God's favor in her life put her in a position above the other women, a position that put her in a place where he showed more favor and put her, uh, allowed her to be in the presence of the king. And then she experienced more favor when the king ruled in her favor. But most importantly, favor right? Showing in our lives gives us the opportunity to point to the Father, showing others how great our God is. We're experiencing favor in our lives. People notice some things like that. (laughs) There's some people sometimes, like, I'm like, how does this person have so much of God's favor in their life? Like, it's noticeable. It's like, God's favor is noticeable, right? And it's like, only God can do that. And it's like, oh, hey, you're right. I don't know. God, it gives you an opportunity to point to the giver. Gratitude, it exercises faith, right? Practicing gratitude, it showcases your faith in his character and promises and not in the problem. As we saw in the life of Job, gratitude to God led him to maintain his faith through it all. When we are grateful for who he is, we understand that his character, right, And his promises supersede the current trials and tribulations that we're facing. And we exercise our faith by trusting him through it all anyway. Mark chapter 12, 42 to 44 says, Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples and said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, as poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. What would make someone give it all? Gratitude. 
gratitude. Although she was poor, her relationship with God, it meant so much to her. She, was, she had to be so grateful in her relationship with God that at that moment, when it came to giving an offering, because, you know, if you, ain't, if you ain't happy with somebody, you ain't going to give them all. If you're not grateful for somebody, I mean, we, we see this when we go out to restaurants, especially, well, you got to check now because they be slapping it in the tip into the bill these days, right? But, like, they call it gratuity. Gratuity. Are you grateful? Are you grateful? Is there, are, you feeling, uh, are you in a feeling of gratitude from the service that you receive? Okay, you're thankful. Okay, now what are you going to give me, right? Because remember, thanking, thank you is just this, and then gratitude is I appreciate it. Thank you. I want to. And so a gratuity is based off of gratitude. How did you do? Are you grateful for the service that you received? Some of y'all know y'all stuck some people with some low tips because they just, they didn't show you any type of respect. They didn't service you well. They, they left y'all hungry. Waiting for, wait, can we order? Oh, I thought y'all ordered already. Now, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. Oh, no. Each, 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 each one is, is minus a dollar. Minus a dollar. Minus a dollar. <laughs> Debbie's like, yo, I just did that the other day. No, no. Oh, we talking about that guy from Oneida's like, that guy from that restaurant at the women's conference. That's who we, we shouldn't have given no tip. And, and look at that. She still, was, she still gave him a tip. See, that's grace. But that's grace. Although she was poor, right, she showed her gratitude for her relationship with the Lord through her offering to him. Yet, this is where faith kicks in. He said that she gave everything. So in, in her gratitude, she gave an offering to the Lord, but she gave an offering that was everything she had. So at that moment, the rest that she had to hold on to was her faith that the Lord would sustain her after that. Do you understand? Do you, you see what's happening? Gratitude. Caused her to just completely give everything to the Lord, but at this moment, it's giving her an opportunity to exercise her faith. Gratitude will bring us to a place where we can exercise our faith. She could have complained of how little she had, but it doesn't take faith to complain. Which leads me to my last and final point. Complaining. It undermines. Complaining undermines God's grace, his promises, and his provision. When we complain, we undermine all of it. Complaining is the opposite of gratitude. And complaining will keep you out of the promised land. Numbers chapter 14, verse 2 to 3 says, And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we would have died in the wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Moses and Aaron, at this point, are surrounded with first worst people. Y'all know who, who first worst people are? The first worst? Anybody know any first worst people? First worst people are the people that always see the worst first. Those are the first worst. Okay? So look around. Ask your neighbor, are you a first worst? Are you a first worst? Are you a first worst? <laughs> first worst, people that always see the worst in a certain situation first. That's the first thing they see. That's the first thing that comes out of their mouth. Instantly complaining about the things around them. Instantly, instantly, instantly. Twelve spies, twelve spies are sent out to scout the land. Twelve spies sent out to scout the land. Twelve. Ten of them 
were first worst peoples. You see, the land was flowing with milk and honey. The Bible says they had clusters of grapes that it took two men to catch. Y'all go to the supermarket. What's a cluster of grape look like? Like this, right? Right? The Bible says the clusters of grapes were so big that it took two they had to They had to put it on a pole, right, like tie it in the middle, and one guy had to carry it in the front, and one guy had to carry it in the back. Two men would have to carry this cluster of grapes. This is what the land had, milk, honey, fruit, vegetables. It was, it was a fertile, beautiful land. But no, let's complain about the challenges. Let's complain. Let's not, let's not even say, mention the milk and the honey, and let's not, mention the, let's not look at the grapes. These first words were like, um, did you see the cities? They're fortified. They're fortified. How are we going to get through that? And did you see the people? Those are descendants of Anak. If you guys don't know, they were giants. They were big people. Tall people, taller than average people, giants. So they saw the cities fortified. They saw the giants, and that was the first worst report. If they would have shown gratitude, can you imagine the whole situation different? If they would have shown gratitude to God, who first delivered them from Egypt, Right? Because you know, if they're complaining now, you best know they live their whole lives complaining. Oh, here go Pharaoh. He want me to do this again. Oh, this now. They probably live complaining every day, right? They get, they get delivered out of Egypt. <laughs> if they would have just shown gratitude, he delivered them from Egypt. Favor would have followed. And the things that seemed so challenging and impossible would have been handled by our mighty God. This is still happening today. God delivers us. He leads us to promised lands in our lives. And instead of maintaining an attitude of gratitude, here come the first worst. Promotion at work. Amen. I got all this extra work I got to do now. This and that. You get promoted at work. But you complain about the extra work. You get blessed with children, and you say that they're a bunch of little rascals. You have favor with people. You, you, you have this weird favor with people. This happens with some people, right, where people are drawn to you. They like to talk to you. Like, this is a gift. This is a blessing that people will open up to you. And instead of being, uh, having an attitude of gratitude to God that, that he's giving you this, this blessing, this gift, Nobody ever leaves me alone. Everybody always wants to talk to me. That's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. God gets fed up with complainers. Enough. I've reached my limit with you all. Numbers chapter 14, 27 to 29. How long shall I bear with this evil, first of all, they were complaining, right? And he calls them evil. Think about that the next time you are complaining. What God sees in you at that moment. He sees evil. Do you understand this? They, he calls them an evil congregation because they were complaining. They didn't do anything else at this moment but complain. And he's calling them an evil congregation who complain against me. I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, he's like, listen, Moses, you better go back over there and tell, tell them something. Say to them, as long as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses. Y'all dead bodies, your dead bodies of all of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you were numbered according to your entire number from 20-year-old and above. So if you were 20 years old or up, you are dying. 
and you are not seeing the promised land. Their complaints rob them of every experience, of ever experiencing the joys of entering the land that was chosen just for them. It was for them. He brought them there. He set it all up. He made the milk flow, the honey flow. He put the big grapes up in there for them. You know, you, you know, like you guys were decorating for Christmas, right? You do this, you put the tree here, this and that, blah, blah, blah. So when somebody comes in, they're like, oh, look at the tree. Look at this. Look at this. Like you set it up for people, right? He set up the land for them. And when they were at the door, they complained. Imagine you going all out, set your house up, look all real nice, and somebody goes on your doorway, and before they even get into the house, they're like, yo, what's up with this and this and this? Get out, man. Just get, get out. You ain't coming in here. You ain't coming in my house. Right? Yo, God was like, you know what? Y'all ain't coming in here. Y'all gonna, and you know what? Y'all going to die is what y'all going to do. Because y'all evil. Yes, life is full of challenges. Yes, the word is full of negativity. And there's so much, but yet there's so much to be grateful for. Yes, we are surrounded by so much junk, but yet we, are, we have so much to be grateful for. We serve a God that loves us unconditionally. He sent his son to be tortured and crucified so that you can be forgiven for your sins. And through Christ, we can have eternal life. Don't let your complaining rob you of the great things he has in store for you. In closing, in closing, I want to say this. In closing, I want to tell you a quick little story. There was a woman who was on a steamboat. And she, as she was on this steamboat, she, her, little, her little girl falls over the banister, like she falls over into the water. At this moment, look at that, she already was like, oh, because you, you feel it, right? At this moment, the mother's like, oh my God, gets frantic, starts screaming, everything, you know, just like any mother would, right? And there was a gentleman who had, I don't know, the, the article said like a Newfoundland dog. I don't know, Newfoundland or Newfoundland dog. It was uh, one of the big ones. Newfoundland. Yeah, Newfoundland, there you go. Um, dogs and um, he directed the dog to jump in the water to save the girl. And guess what? The dog jumped in the water, and he saved the girl. He pulled her onto shore. He must have, like, bit her, her dress, and he pulled her in, and he pulled her into shore. As soon as the mother got to shore, she pulled that little girl, and she started kissing her and hugging her and was so grateful to have her daughter. And as she turns, looks at the dog that saved her daughter and grabs that dog, hugging and squeezing and kissing that dog with a heart full of gratitude. Do you know that's more than some people have ever done for Jesus Christ? Although he hung on the cross to save us from sin and hell. Some of us are busy hugging and kissing a dog more than showing God gratitude for who he is. Church, can you stand with me this morning as we wrap this up? Prayer team, can you guys come up, please? Let's not just show gratitude this Thanksgiving. Let's, let's not make it a Thanksgiving thing. Why is this, why, why is it always got to be just around Thanksgiving that we say thank you? Let's make it a, a habit. Let's make it a lifestyle to live lives of gratitude toward our Savior. Let us enjoy the peace that through, our God, that, that through our God we experience as a result of gratitude. Let us enjoy the favor that he pours down into our lives as a result of gratitude. Let us grow in our faith as we choose to trust him. And let us not allow complaining to rob us of the great things that God has already done and things that he has planned for you. Do you know that he has something planned for you right now? Do you understand that? We may not see what it is, but I can say 
with all assurance, He has something planned for each and every person in here. Do not let, don't, don't let complaining rob you of what He wants to do in your life. He has set up promised lands for you guys. There's a, there's a land for you that He set it all up just for Taina. The land for Deborah, just for you, Deborah. It's all for you. The promised land looks different in everyone's life, but He has set it up for you specifically. Don't, don't let complaining rob you of what God wants to do. Are you grateful to the King of Kings? Ask yourself this morning, are, am I grateful? Am I living a life of gratitude? Because last week we talked about thank you. I know we are thankful. I know, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for what you did. Oh, I know it was you, God. I know, but I know we said thank you to God, but are we grateful? In a sense where, thank you, now what can I do for you, God? Thank you, but, 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 but where can I serve you? What do you need of me? This is where we're at, church. This is where we're at right now. Asking ourselves, what is it that I can do for you, God? I can never repay what you did on the cross for me. I could never pay you back for that. But what is it that I can do for you? At least tell me something. Are, are, are we going before God like that? Or we come on Sundays like, yo, God, hook me up. Give me, give me, give me. And then we go home and we, yet we do nothing for him. We want to feel the warm and fuzzy. I know what I'm talking about. Oh, I feel so good at church today. I, got, I feel so good. I feel so, no, it's not just about just feeling good. I'm glad you feel good. That's the presence of the Holy Spirit, right? I'm glad you feel. I'm glad it makes you peace. I'm glad it brings you comfort. I'm, brag, I'm glad it brings you joy. Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit does all that anyway, right? We know that. But what are you doing for the kingdom of God? What are you doing? Are you grateful to the Savior who rescued you? So I want to open the altar this morning. First, if you have yet to make a, relation, a, a commitment and saying, I accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. If you have not made that decision to say, you know what, I'm messed up. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. I'm always going to be a sinner, but I want to dedicate my life. I want to surrender my life to Jesus today. I know he died on the cross for me. I know he raised on the third day. I know he's the son of God. I know that he died for, my, for the forgiveness of my sins. And I know it's through him that I can have eternal life. But if you haven't made that decision, today is the day. Don't walk out without making this decision today. I invite you, if that is you, to the front. We, need, we want to pray with you. We want to celebrate with you. We want to welcome you into the family of God this morning. Amen. Amen. The second, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for our new brothers and sisters, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I also want to invite, I also want to invite if you have a hard time being grateful. Let's say you struggle with this. Let's say that you want to be grateful. You want to show thanks. You want to do, but, but it just seems like the world around you is so negative. People around you are so negative and you find your thoughts going back to complaining. You find your thoughts going back to being uh, discontent with the situation. If you are struggling seeing and experiencing the joy of God on an everyday part of life, then I invite you to the front. We want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. And don't, don't, don't feel embarrassed. Don't feel guilt, no shame. We're family. We want to pray with you this morning. And lastly, if there is a loved one or a family member in your life, if there is a loved one or a family member in your life that you have identified struggles in this area, 
Maybe they're always complaining. Maybe they're always struggling. Maybe they never see the good. They're the first worst in your life. I challenge you to come up and, and stand in the gap for them. Intercede for them. That God, will, that there will be a breakthrough in their life. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, Lord, I thank you for the new salvations that are here this morning. They have made a decision to accept you as personal Lord and Savior. We thank you for that. We worship you. We, we, we celebrate with them this morning. Father, look at all the rest of us, Lord, that are struggling in this area of gratitude that perhaps, we yes, it's easy to say thank you, but Lord, are we living a life displaying the gratitude, giving ourselves back to you, Lord? Lord, right now we ask that you help us, that you, that, you, that you meet us right now where we're at, Lord, that you empower us, that you uplift us, that you guide us, lead us, that you give us boldness and courage, Father God, that you direct us and that we follow where you are leading us and what you desire from us. Father, I ask for healing right now for those that are always seeing the negative. For those that are always complaining, Father God, usually that is a stem of trauma, a stem of some hurt, some, some, some things in the past that have affected them today. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, healing upon their soul, healing in their heart, Father God, that they may be restored and they may see the peace and the joy that comes with serving you. That even in the midst of the storm, they have a peace that is beyond an understanding. In Jesus' name, amen.